0: Going okay. Um, we're all still at home, you know. World. You're own.
1: actually not at home, right? No, I am.
0: I'm in uh,
1: I'm in Lonnie's room right now. Oh, you're in Lonnie's uh, room. Okay, I thought you were in that yeah, mysterious yeah. second apartment that you have.
0: No, it's not. I don't, listeners. I don't actually have a second apartment. I'm not a rich a rich individual. Um, I'm I'm comfortable, but not two apartments comfortable. The downstairs neighbors left. Uh, they went to Philadelphia and they gave me the keys so I could get their mail and so I could do work down there, which is pretty essential having two very small children in the house. And it's not a huge house with an Wait, office or any other kind of space to go
1: to. What did you just say, Gabe? What did I what? What did you just say? You have two children in the house? Why oh. do you have two children in the house? That's Did you have you. Uh, is there a relative staying with you? Uh, no, this
0: is... Uh, I, ma- I created another child. Uh, and and we have decided to keep him, bring him home. His name is Damon.
1: Congratulations, Gabe. Mm.
0: Thanks, Mark. Um,
1: Wait, so how did you create your child? Um,
0: through the magic of editing. yeah um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, uh, I feel like it was like dumb jokes about like, well, I had a lot of fun. You know, but um, we uh, we have a beautiful baby and he's now five weeks old. Man. And he's awesome. And uh, he's, being, he's been born at a very strange time, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about for years to come. No less, strange, no less strange than, than Lonnie, my firstborn.
1: Right, Lonnie... For, Lonnie was born on the day that Donald Trump was elected president.
0: That's right. 11. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Election day, 20, uh, 20, whatever, whatever year that was, 2016. Yeah. Um, An auspicious day, you could say other words would be appropriate. Um, But a good day for you. It was an awesome day for us. I mean, that's the nice part. People were like, oh, it must've been so nice to have something else to think about. And it's like, well, we also got to think about all the awful stuff that you were thinking about. You at least we- had
1: something to distract you. Right. Instead that's of doing true. what I was doing. Right. You had something literally productive to do, whereas I was just getting drunk in front of my T V and and yelling uh at cable news hosts.
0: Yeah. We were upset but but also busy, uh, and distracted. Um so it was, it was okay. And there was a bubble there for like a few weeks slash months, uh, before we really settled into the sort of horror that everyone else was experiencing. Um, that being said, uh, I kind of would uh, not prefer it any other way. Um, and in this case, we also got to sort of be distracted from, you know, pandemic concerns. Uh, albeit we were in a hospital, not the best place to be. Uh, we tried our best to avoid it. Um, we tried to have a home birth and then this baby said, no, uh, I'm a breech baby. Flips so upside it,
1: down in protest. Yeah.
0: yeah in protest. Um, to say, you know, not only will you have to go to the hospital, you have to go repeatedly. Um, but in fact, we had to go today so he could get a scan because being a breech baby, there are often are problems with their hips. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you had to get a, uh, ultrasound of his hips. They're fine. Uh, thank, thank goodness. So, um, you won't have to wear a baby. Uh, what they, what they give you. They give you some kind of like a girdle, like not a girdle. It's like a brace or something for for very young
1: children. Is that one of those to, things where it's it's very it, it's very sad that they have to wear it, but that it kind of looks adorable?
0: I don't think so. Um, that was the case. I wore orthopedic shoes um, when I was young, and those are kind of like dorky, and they look kind of really cute on kids, but they're like. A medical device I don't really understand
1: or like it, when there's like uh when there's like one or two year olds that have to wear glasses and it's super cute
0: yeah although you then think about like what will their glasses be like when they're like
1: 40 I know, like, yeah, I don't know. bad well you hope um, you can whack the eyes into submission yep.
0: I guess so does that work I don't know I don't,
1: I don't know yet. I don't, my eyes have just been getting progressively worse my entire life I have no idea
0: so we're all home um There's a bunch of us, um, but we're doing, we're doing real, real well. Um, and, um, you know, it would be, uh, not okay to, 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 to ignore the the other thing that's been going on, which is also very proximal to where I live is that there have been, you know, sort of world changing protests going on here in New York, also around the country and around the world. And that's been, you know, it's been amazing. Um, we got to participate in a limited way because we're trying to keep uh, this tiny baby away from too many people. Um, but we, we clapped and, and cheered and held signs uh, near a protest near a couple protests uh, recently. So
1: that's, that's great.
0: Yeah, um, certainly, you know, um, puts everything in perspective. Uh, there's like a lot going on personally, but also a lot going on uh just for the human race
1: yeah so yeah um, wait gabe why are we why are we here again
0: oh uh, this this is faking it uh a show where we check our cultural blind spots make up for past wrongs and come to terms with the shameful lies we've told well it's like why are we why are we talking i don't know even we don't don't really
1: have a friendship outside of this uh podcast
0: I guess. Well, you know, I mean, we kind
1: of don't anymore at this point. I mean, like there was a time where you and I would just meet up and for a beer uh, just for fun, but now it's yeah. business.
0: Well, it's uh, we can't do the former former thing, so we got to do the latter thing.
1: I know, wow. I know.
0: I look forward to meeting you for a beer in a year or two. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, we know. Have,
1: we we're we're lucky enough to have half of a backyard that we share with our neighbors. And, um, so we are getting it into shape, anticipating that hanging out, obviously at a bar or a restaurant is probably not going to happen for some time. And even if it does happen, do I really want to do that?
0: Oh, I mean, people are doing it. I mean, oh, I know. The, the, I, I, the bars are, the bars are selling drinks outside and people are just gathering outside as if they're in the garden. Oh, I know, but, but
1: I don't want do, to do that. No, that's not for me. um, so yet, uh, anyway. we figure if we have our backyard set up, then we can have a couple people over at a time, maybe hanging out outdoors, and that will be a little bit. Simpler. That I could
0: see. That I could see my way into doing. That sounds. That's
1: yeah, helpful. yeah. Um, so I don't have a child, but I we still do have this foster cat, Roxy. Yeah, and she's doing she's doing really well.
0: What's the what's the like average time that a foster pet parent Keeps the foster pet because it seems now like it's stretching on into a into like this seems like pet ownership.
1: You're telling me, man,
0: pushing this from the beginning, but like you guys keep saying you're not going to keep this cat. This cat's not. This cat's going somewhere. But like the weeks, the weeks drag on. So tell us what's going on with Roxy.
1: Well, first of all, she's doing great. Um, When our listeners first heard tell of Roxy, she would not leave the area under the stairs. She wanted nothing to do with us. She was terrified. Um, And then we moved her into a small studio apartment that we had set up in our second bathroom and she was doing okay there. Now she, she just hangs out upstairs with us. Just one of the family, really She's part of the family. She, she hangs out in the living room. She likes to be petted. Uh, She, she will come up and rub her little face against your hand and purr very loudly. A lot of that is a ploy to get food, and I know that, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, but she'll sit on the couch next to us sometimes. Uh, she's still a little like, "What's up with you? What's your agenda?" Uh, with us, but she's she's way 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 better than um she was when we first got her. So how like what's the timeline? I don't know cuz first of all the the agency that we have or the organization that we've or we're fostering through which is a great organization called Brooklyn Cat Cafe and in normal times they literally have a cat cafe in ah. near down uh near kind of downtown Brooklyn uh Brooklyn Heightsy that area mm-hmm. where you can go in and they have cats for adoption and a lot of them are wandering around in a space you can have a coffee have a have a snack and sit there and the cats will come up and you can pet them and stuff. But obviously now they cannot have their cat cafe open, but right. they still have the cats to deal with. And they are super duper understaffed for that. Their owner uh, is a real champ and she's just, as far as I can tell, working 24 seven to try to do what you got to do to, you know, take care of these animals and make sure every, trying to place them in permanent homes
0: is there a website i can go
1: it, to it, I, wow. it's i think it's uh i i think it i i, I don't i'm not sure what it is um I, I don't remember the url but if you just google brooklyn cat cafe it's the first thing that'll come up
0: right there aren't that many of them here no. uh, yet <laughs> no. although it seemed like a trend that was about to blow up there's but, a
1: uh, there, right. there's a few of them there's one on the lower east side um yeah and uh but if you go there and if you click on our cats You'll see a picture of our cat, Roxy, who is mm-hmm. a little black cat with her left ear clipped because someone caught her when she was a kitten and then spayed her and then released her. Uh, and that's what you do when you do that. You clip their, their left ear. And, so people
0: know? that That's why? Yeah,
1: so that, so that she doesn't get caught again. So they don't catch her again. Oh, wow. Uh, it's weird and, and I feel so like there's got to be a, a better way to do it, but. Maybe not. I don't know. But, you know, the thing is we've been stuck inside so long uh, and we've been concentrating on trying to get this cat socialized and it's been going great. And one of the things that we've done, because we literally have nothing better to do, is we taught her some tricks. What does she do? She will, and she'll do this responding to verbal commands. So if you say... Again, this
0: feels like something you would do with a cat that you're planning to, like
1: own for life but just just go on yeah no no, i will i'll explain why not in a second um she will if you say come she will walk over and touch your finger with her nose if you say stand she will stand on her on her hind legs and like tuck her little paws up to her chest in a very adorable manner and if you say high five she will give you a high five adorable it's super cute um She's, we think she's actually very smart because she picked all this stuff up in like a matter of hours. What's uh, next?
0: Do, you have, enough, do you, have a, 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 you have more tricks you want to teach? Like...
1: Jess, Jessica, who is really responsible for doing all of the cat training, uh, I think is trying to teach her to uh, roll over or play dead. That one's tough. Uh-huh.
0: What about like tending bar in your like backyard, uh, you know, hangout space? It's is hard. She drama? can't
1: without thumbs. It's difficult for her to like... Uncork bottles. It's a challenge. Like that. Yeah, it's a challenge.
0: But she, but she seems like she's willing to learn. So you know.
1: she is. What we've learned is, that for a few cat treats, this cat will more or less do whatever you ask her to do. <laughs> and, and you can ask in English, and it's fine. Well,
0: yeah. sounds like things are going very well with to the cat. They are pet, your pet.
1: Our cat. pet. Our pet cat. Who honestly, listener, if you are in Not the market for a very, a very cute cat with a number of different skills this is the cat for you just, uh
0: yeah your efforts to make this seem contingent are
1: admirable but uh
0: no okay so the
1: reason just real quick the reason i'm probably I'm, now i'm definitely saying too much but you you teach the cat tricks to make her more marketable um because you know the thing about black cats is that they they don't get adopted as as frequently as other cats And part of it's a thing where, you know, often if they're at a shelter, they're in a cage and they're kind of like, if they're hanging back in the cage, it can be literally more difficult to see them. And I think part of it is also that like, they don't seem as expressive because it's more difficult to see their facial features. And also people just have a weird thing about black cats.
0: Uh, They have it about, they have it about black dogs too. We, We, at my former, one of my former places of employment, we, uh, I don't know if we commissioned, but we, we uh, produced a a little, a a video series about black dogs and how hard it is to get them adopted. Yeah. Um, and I think that the, you know, it's, you know, especially, especially given our moment, I think it's like not unfair to say that there's also something about our culture where like black skin, black fur, whatever, like it's, it's, uh, there's a, there's a problem there. And and that is something that the, the video made like clear um, and other people have argued, so, and I that's probably not uh, untrue.
1: Um, I doubt yeah, I mean I, I I could definitely see that and it's a it's it's a double shame because at least in, in the case of cats is that black cats are often for whatever reason, like extremely laid back, like chill. like she is a very laid back animal, despite her sort of like lingering kind of suspicion of what what our uh what our plans are, what we're up to uh she's very laid back she just kind of hangs out and the same was true as i had a black cat when i was a kid and that was the best cat in the world this thing was awesome we lived in new jersey then and she was an outdoor cat and i would when i would come home from school she would hear the front door close and then i would like hear her clinging to the front door to our (laughs) screen door and i'd open it and she'd run in she'd sit on my lap and fall asleep while i watched cartoons and and you could pick her up and, and pet her, and she was like a dog. It was great. I recommend I, black I, cats.
0: Uh, I'm very allergic to cats. Um, I don't dislike them, which it makes it a shame because I wish I could get one. It would actually be an ideal pet. I, I have a horror of the day that either of my children wants to get a dog because I definitely grew up. I grew up with dogs. I love dogs, too, but I do not want a dog. But I would definitely take a cat. But Why don't you I want do a not dog? Do it. Uh, just dogs in the city. I've always felt like it's, I don't know. I'm going to like make an enemy of all dog, dog owners in the city. But I feel like having a dog in the city is just like hard. You have to take them out all the time. Yeah. Right now. That's really easy. But like, I think normally like the whole having a dog walker, like you just don't get to spend that much time with your dog in the city. Not that you do in the suburbs necessarily either, but like,
1: well, they've got a doggy door and they can entertain themselves sometimes. Or
0: yeah. Whatever. You just, there's just more going on. Um, I will say though that the one cat that I, I had a, I had a, uh, a partner that had a black cat and I took care of and I sort of lost my sensitivity to at least this cat. Maybe, maybe this cat was not uh, the most aller, allergenic. Um, if that's the right term. But anyway, I love that cat. That cat was great. Um, scratch, scratch the heck out of me, but it was a lovely cat. Yeah. With love. Any Yeah. Anyhow. Um, so, we've talked a lot about not what we do on this <laughs> podcast, um, but... Well, um, it
1: has a... We have... Because we should say, this is our last episode right. of season two, right? Yep. Uh, we had planned to do ten episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is our tenth episode. And, obviously, it's been quite delayed due to the All world and... Yes. and uh, and the arrival of the new member of Gabe's family. But it does have a last day of school vibe, you know, where it's <laughs> like, you still have to go to class, but like, it, it doesn't matter. Nothing could happen. That would, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, last day no, of school, totally. senior year.
0: Yeah. We're just, we're in calculus class, but like, we're not, we're not going to learn anything. And like no. We're just gonna, we're just gonna talk about stuff. Yeah. And, uh, cause we're both, you know, we're both the hip teacher. And the hip student. So we're mm-hmm. just going to shoot shoot the breeze right now.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: that's not entirely true. We do want to talk a little bit about what we've been doing here and kind of where we've ended up. I don't know. Do you want to talk about, you know, the sort of like what else is going on in the world too? Like kind of just for, for a little bit. That's not going to be the subject of this podcast. Yeah. But-
1: I mean, I, I'll just say it feels very, well, everything feels strange. Everything feels strange. Even like I went on a little walk earlier today just to get outside for a bit. And, you know, walking around and people are doing relatively normal summer things, hanging out in the park, walking around, Mm -hmm. sitting in small groups. Obviously, if this was a normal summer, there would be bars and restaurants open and many, 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 many more people out on the street. But even those sort of seemingly normal things don't really have, the normalcy has been stripped away from their normality. You know what I mean? There's always a lingering kind of eeriness. And part of that is due, I think, to my, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, you know, new attentiveness to people's behavior. You know, who's wearing a mask? And who's standing near me? And who's standing around? And should those people be standing around and, And how come one guy's got a mask, but another person doesn't? And then a third one's got a mask, but it's pulled down below their nose. And, you know, this is just one of the kind of small ways in which everything has just been completely turned upside down. And, you know, there was, I think, a moment a few weeks ago, maybe, when I started to think, well, okay, so, like, we'll, like, learn to live like this Mm -hmm. and... We'll adjust, whatever. Like, we'll figure it out. But in the last 10 days since the death of George Floyd, and, you know, just this completely unprecedented and very necessary set of actions and protests that have gone on, you know, you can peel away layer after layer. It only takes a second of forgetting, you know, of of sort of settling to settling into the idea that it's a normal summer day before you remember what's happening a few blocks away, what happened yesterday, what happened two days ago, right? What we're really in the midst of. And then you start to think about like the pandemic being stacked on top of the protests being stacked on top of the kind of building and sense that something bad could happen at the level of our kind of democracy and form of government and there's no way to kind of touch your toe to the to the bottom anymore right yeah the the further yeah. down you there's no baseline for normality there's no baseline for establishing um well at least this is fine um right. that's all kind of fallen away we're, we're we're out in in the deep end and so it feels a little strange to sort of sit down here and like do our wrap up episode for our season two of our podcast but then you know everything feels strange you know I don't know you know you want you you've gone out to a I've gone on to a few uh, events a, a couple of marches you know a vigil and I'll, I'll be doing more um and it's just this extreme sense of dissonance where on the one hand, when you're there, you're like, this is necessary. Like, I've, you yeah. know, this has to happen. Um, it's and it's on,
0: like, yeah, it's past time that it should be happening. You and know.
1: on the other yeah. hand, you're like, Jesus Christ, what are all these people doing standing around in a group? Like, there is a, where, there is a deadly virus, you know, circulating among us. And yeah. it's just this constant push-pull, you know, and then... Sorry, I know I'm going on, but um well like, you know, I went to I went to a march last Friday, so what what 4 or 5 days ago. And it was extremely peaceful, spirited. Um a march around Bushwick and and Bed-Stuy, and mm-hmm. the kind of lead organizer really knew what they were doing. But you know, you're you're everyone is peaceful, everyone is organized, everyone is just there to kind of make a showing, let your voice be heard, you know. And on the one hand, you have this kind of, like, beautiful experience of, first of all, being out there with other people, which is completely alien to how we've all been living for the last three months. Right. The opposite. yeah. Right. Doing it for a, a cause that you believe in. And also, like, the kind of amazing thing of people coming out of their homes and, like, with pots and pans in their hands and, like, banging them and, like, you know, showing their support. But then there's also, like, the cops directly to your Right walking alongside you in riot gear with their batons drawn you know it's just uh there's there's no way to kind of like uh to get your balance I think in this and I'm speaking as right. someone who yeah. doesn't even have to deal with even close to the the worst of it uh yeah uh let's record a podcast <laughs> yeah well I mean yeah I
0: mean like the, the just like not 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 dwelling on the on the our subject for a minute like the the sense of sort of whiplash isn't even the right word it's just like sort of constantly this sort of ping-pong feeling of you know the other day i was walking and i um i live right around grand army plaza and prospect park where a lot of the actions have been taking place and all the way down flatbush is where things have been happening Barclays center and to cabin plaza so like um you know for one thing like just going out on a walk is really different than it was, you know, two weeks ago. It's, you know, it's thrilling in that this amazing thing is is happening, is coalescing into, you know, into speech and into movement, into action. Um, and like you say, on the other hand, it's like the, there's that thing in the back of your head about what else is going on and what else has been going on. And of course, city is healing. Like people are, Fewer people are getting sick, fewer people are dying, but people still are getting sick and still are dying. Um, and it's just like, it's constantly in your head. It's like, it, like the thing about like what you said about balance, I think is a, is a good way to put it. It's like, it's hard to find a footing, you know? Um, that said, it's like, I, I don't know that I've ever felt a thrill like I did. Um, thrill might be, you know, sort of, uh, I don't know, glib to say, but just like a feeling, a, a deep emotional, Welling up, approaching uh, a uh, a march that was in progress, and hearing the voices and getting louder and louder as I got closer and closer, and then starting to see people and hear instruments and hear people, you know, uh, yelling and chanting and 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 saying saying their piece, Um, and you know, uh, also being sort of proximal to all this stuff, it's been not last couple of days, less so, but like helicopters all. And, you know, this was something where, you know, I don't think it's that profound, but like I, I've, uh, I lived in neighborhoods where there are more helicopters at night more often. And I lived in neighborhoods in New York where there's fewer helicopters at night, you know, uh, all the time. And this was like, really just like eight days of the helicopter, like right over my neighborhood, you know, all night. And, um, it's intimidation. It's, it's, it's really shitty, you know, and it's also like it was this constant feeling of what was happening that was bringing the outside in. You know, I've been in my apartment. It's been pretty mellow for a long time. People are not doing a lot of stuff. There's not even a lot of traffic noise. And suddenly there's like a lot of noise and it's the police noise, but it's also I can hear marchers and I can hear fireworks going off and I can hear people cheering for people in the streets, you know, down on Vanderbilt near my, near my house. And, and then I'm of course looking at Twitter and refreshing and refreshing. And it's just like, there's just a lot, you know, it's, um, it's a lot coming from this moment where we were all getting really internal and getting really not seeing anyone, you know, and doing everything is on zoom or everything is like, or, you know, like we're doing right now or we're, we're doing a video chat, uh, which is this, it's this block to intimacy to human connection. And so the bursting forth of human connection and of course the bursting forth of like tremendous sadness and, and, yeah. and kind of grief is, uh, is, is just a pretty, it makes, it does make everything kind of pale in comparison. You know, if I, if I had a hard time kind of figuring out like what TV shows to watch to fill my nights before now, I'm just like, you know, I can't think of anything else. And it's like you know, that's fine. Like that's that's a good thing. Um, but it still feels uh, it still feels really intense.
1: So yeah, uh-huh. there's a kind of part of me that feels, in a way, kind of grateful, mm-hmm. which is a, a weird feeling because I get to see all of the shit out in the street. Mm-hmm everything Mm -hmm. you know we've spoken before about how the pandemic just kind of like exposed anything that you had lingering any buried anxieties or whatever it all just kind of the pus just came to the surface and and now it feels as though (laughs) you know and now it feels as though it's just everywhere and you see both truly how ugly things are but you also get to see how people react to it and and some of it is really shitty and terrible um but for the most part it's it's heartening in a way I I feel like there for a little while maybe for the last couple years few years there's been that uh a little bit of a head-to-head with like well, things are bad now, but like you weren't around in like you know the late sixties. Right. You didn't see sixty-eight, like, and now I'm like, it's I, I've gotten confirmation from people who lived through it. This is fucking worse. Yeah. Uh, so you know, and that's horrible. It's bad, but at the same time, you're bearing witness to it. I mean, it's yeah, you'll never forget it's,
0: it. It's worse. It's worse, and it's better because I think that you know, we don't know, we don't know how this ends, but I hope that actually it's going to be a, a long, maybe, maybe I don't hope it's going to be hot because I hate the heat, but I hope it's going to be a, a long and, you know, uh complicated and, you know, sad and uh, emotionally intense summer and more, you know, because I think that with nothing to do with the pandemic, but just like to do with like what we're doing with our time, you know. I think that um, it's it's necessary and it's it's past time that this sort of broke free and became something much larger than it's ever been. Um,
1: and the weirdest fucking—I mean, I will just never get over. And I don't know if this is true. I I can never know if this is true, but I feel like it just wouldn't be possible if the fucking pandemic wasn't happening. Yeah. Which is the thing that you which is the thing that you think would be what would prevent there from being an effective, truly popular mass movement. You would think that would be the thing that would stop it. I right? think if, it, if anything it's this...
0: concentrated it more, it's made it more uh, f- feel feel more essential, feel more like we got like something's got to give, you know, Um
1: well, I think that when people leave their houses now, they know they're putting their money where their mouths are, where their mouth is, you know? I think there's just buying yeah. from people. You know, a month ago, you know, if I ran out of... <laughs> and still kind of, you know, and I guess still today, like if I ran out of Cheerios, well, it's it's Tuesday and grocery shopping day is on Saturday. So no more Cheerios till Saturday. Right. Um, but I will go out and... Yeah, the rally's happening today. March. It's going to happen today. Yeah. It's
0: got to happen today. And, it, yeah, and, it, you know, of course, there's there's also other things you can do, and I think that that's something where I've been heartened by the feeling out there that if you don't want to go out, you can't if, you, if you're immunocompromised or whatever. For whatever reason, if you, if you don't feel like you can be a body to participate, to show out there on the streets how you feel, um... There's so many other things you can do, and that people are doing them on mass, and that mm-hmm. they're energized uh, to do so. So, um, anyway, uh, you know, there's so much, there's so much sadness and grief that it feels weird to say it, but like this is this is awesome in you know not just a positive way, but in just like a it's just so big
1: and it's good because it doesn't feel like it's going to go yeah. away because like it does finally feel like like it's 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 happening well it's
0: it's like the corner the corner being turned for where it doesn't go away for so many people ever you know and now yeah. it doesn't now it doesn't get to go away for for everyone else either uh is something yeah. really different and something profound and
1: uh yeah and we should also say you know like you know That it's credit to the organizers and it's credit to the usually almost always people of color on the front lines who are actually, you know, this shit doesn't just happen on its own, you know, and if left to their own devices, most people would do what I probably would be doing, which is like being like, I don't want to think about it. And, and I don't know. I'm exaggerating, but, but, you know, just sitting on my couch or whatever. So, so there is, you know, like I went to, a, I, you know, this, this last march that I went to, it was organized by two first-time organizers. There, there was at least a thousand yeah. people, you know. Um,
0: Christine so. read a thing about uh, these Black Lives Matter uh, organizers who've been going to weekly protests in LA for two years. Every week they, they get out however many people they can get out. And they, they go and they show up, you know, when everybody else has been going about their business and, you know, people like, like I've been going about my business. I've, I've been doing, doing not that, you know, I went to a few marches a few years ago, like Ferguson was happening, but this is, this is really different. And the fact that it's different makes me feel awful and makes me feel like, well, this is, this is what I can do is I can, you know. I can try to participate in whatever ways I can and think about it all the time. Um, even when I'm thinking about other stuff and uh, hopefully, you know, not let it go away ever again, you know? Um, so yeah. I don't know how we segue to <laughs> talking about what we want to talk about. <laughs> I mean, you know, the one thing I was thinking about was that like, um, I think that, you know, what what we've been discussing is like an extremely sort of social phenomenon, you know, something that
1: you mean what we're what we've been discussing on, on the, the podcast, podcast yeah, not now <laughs> on the podcast, you know,
0: over the last over the last couple of years, like um, it's extremely social. Like, you know, I always come back. I'm always like my my sort of straw man on this whole thing is like, well, you're at a party and somebody mentions something, and then you want to say that you know that thing. You know, or you're at work and somebody says they know how to do something or they know something or whatever. And you say, like, oh, I know, yeah, I got that. Like, you know, on the one hand, it's sort of miraculous to live this period where there is no socializing. There isn't, like, there is no even possibility for that kind of thing. It's kind of been wiped away. Uh, not that it happens, you know, to me anymore all the time. I think that, you know, we well, might, we might. Just
1: to say, there's no. Go ahead there's no there, there's no accidental anybody you're talking to you meet you you intend to talk yeah. to them you don't you don't end up in a conversation with anybody you're not trying to be in a conversation with you don't like bump into somebody at a party that you kind of sort of know and then end up talking to them right the only people you talk to are people you make plans to talk to
0: but i think to whatever to whatever degree also like the the sort of the mood that's the mood that's arisen in the last couple of weeks and the and the kind of, um, kind of brutal honesty that's become necessary has also sort of wiped away a lot of these things where the idea of, the idea of fronting about anything seems horrifying, you know, like, and, uh, inhuman. Um, and not, you know, I mean, we've talked mostly about culture, you know, and cultural objects and like, have you seen this movie and have you listened to this record and have you, you know, or like, do you know how to do this chef technique or whatever, whatever the, whatever we've talked about with guests or, you know, did you have a meeting where like they wanted you to be an expert on something and you really didn't know about it, but you had to kind of like fake it to make it. Um Seems like a lot of that has sort of like also been like washed away, you know, it won't go away forever, but um it does give you some perspective on kind of like what socialization, you know, has always been like and what, what, what it could be like. Where honesty sort of rules rules the day.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, this is this is where that sounds a bit utopian to me. Fair enough. I mean Fair enough. I highly doubt that the kind of um low level petty deceptions that we've been discussing for however long now are going to go away. Right. You know what I mean? Obviously there are more pressing issues, but I mean, look in a sick way. Maybe that's how we know we've we've achieved something when we can all kind of get together and just lie to each other's faces, <laughs> uh, you know. And and that's the thing that I'm anxious about again. Well, I don't, I don't know that. I
0: don't know that I see it happening. In, in the, in the same, wet.
1: in the same way, in the same way that I'd kill to go to a bad party. Right? Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'd love to eat at a shitty restaurant. Oh, like I would, I would give anything for that. Sure.
0: Yeah, it'd be great. It'd be great to go to a dinner party where a bunch of people are talking about shit that they know about and making you feel bad because you've, you've never experienced those things. Um, exactly. So, uh, I think, you know, we wanted to do like a quick look back at season two. You know, season one, we talked about our own, uh, foibles and, uh, experiences like in this sort of fake it to make it and fake it to, to be liked and fake it to feel like you're, you know, a legitimate person kind of way. But I think that we encountered, um, sort of two kinds of guests in this past season. Um, maybe you want to talk a little bit about sort of what you see them as being.
1: Yeah, um, I think there were kind of like two sorts of guests. And I, I don't know which how heavily the podcast skewed toward, toward which one. But I think there was one kind of guest that we had on who knew exactly what our anxieties were or had felt the kind of anxieties that we have felt or have done the kind of things that we had for whatever reason spent all of this time sort of like mulling over and sort of confessing to ourselves and, and trying to remedy in some abstract way. Right. Who are just like, yeah, of course I've like lied about knowing, you know, having seen this movie yeah. or whatever. And yeah, it's, it's made me feel anxious. But then there was another kind who really, obviously they understood what we were talking about intellectually, but I feel like really did not, have that same experience at all or or did not feel as anxious about it or were just like why would anyone do that? like why would you why would you just why would you say you had seen a seen a movie you'd never seen why would you say you had read a book you'd never read what is the point of that and it was interesting to kind of as we talked to all of these people um over the last i guess we we really we sat we sat down with Norman, I feel like in September and that was our first mm-hmm. interview since September, it's been interesting to watch people kind of like drop into one camp or another as we're speaking to them we're kind of realizing you know what their attitude toward this stuff really is, right? And it has nothing to do with 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 the quality of what they're talking about, but but that that, that was one of the more revealing things to me in the conversations that we've had like who relates and 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 who doesn't they're happy to talk to us but like but they don't really relate to what we're talking well, and about well I, and i
0: think that, that one of the dividing lines is like was like my sort of like pet project was always being like did you ever have like a situation if you were a teenager or a, young, a younger person where like someone came up to you they asked you if you had seen or you know experienced something you hadn't and you freaked out and it was a horrifying moment where you lied or just said you didn't know but and then were embarrassed or whatever. And I think it has to do with like this like traumatic like I I personally I know had like many of these traumatic moments and that's much as much to do with me as it does with that as a like an experience that happens in the world. Like it was, you know, there were people who I met along the way who made me feel bad about not knowing about stuff. And then I learned to uh, just sort of like short circuit that by uh, not taking the opportunity to be like, I don't know about that. What kind of person are you You're going to make me feel bad? Or are you going to just like, uh, let it go. And we can have a nice conversation. It's very personal. It's very, it's very much up to the individual. I think that people do fall into these camps because they either never cared or got over those traumatic experiences because they weren't traumatic for them. They were just like, they learned that it didn't matter. You know? Um,
1: I had certainly thought that it was a universal experience. I'll just say that. Like, I thought that was like, everyone's done this. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. It turns out not everyone knows. Well, it
0: turns out, it turns out everyone knows what it is, but does it mean that they completely like have experienced it in the same way? You know? I yeah. think that they're like, sure, yeah. I've either done that or seen people do that. And it either didn't matter to me or mattered a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just like different kinds of people and different kinds of experiences, too. You know, and I, I think that, you know, one thing, um, one thing I sort of we, we spoke about briefly before, before we started chatting tonight. was like, you know, for me anyway, a lot of these moments happened because of mostly dudes that I encountered who were like really into something really into music, really into film, really into something. And then they were just of a disposition where like it then just became, everything was a challenge. Everything was like, you know, like uh, baseball cards, you know, which we've talked, we talked mm-hmm. about before. It's basically just like, Oh, do you have this? Do you have that? Do you have this? Do you have that? You know? And in some cases people are just curious. They're like, do you have this? Do you have that? What do you know about this? What do you know about that? Let's learn from each other. But I think that I had some bad experiences along the way where people were like, do you know this? Do you know that? Oh, you don't, Well, you're not a legitimate person. And like, I'm going to embarrass you because it's going to score me points even in my own mind or maybe in front of other people. And it's going to make you feel bad, which also is a way of sort of like you know, gaining power in the world. Um, which brings us to our next point, which is like sort of like, what is it that we think is the motivating force behind, you know, our central premise is it
1: well let's let's yeah. uh let's let's let the reader uh stew on that for okay. a moment uh, or the reader the Listen. listener stew on that for a moment while I, while we take a little bit of break because we've been talking for a little bit so let's uh let's uh let's take a break and we'll come back and ponder just this question in a moment Okay, so we're back from break, refreshed.
0: The last thing that we wanted to talk about, or no, the, the next thing that we wanted to talk about was um, what we thought sort of emerged as some of the motivations for this this whole faking it concept, you know, sort of. And, and the two camps seem to be like, you know, I think uh, my great friend Tamar was was the biggest proponent of the desire to be liked.
1: You know, right. as... so her, Tamar's claim was like, all of this is not a farce, but you're all just you're just dancing around the kind of essential nature of the problem, which is that when you whatever lie about having listened to a record that you haven't listened to, all you're trying to do is keep the conversation going because you want to kind of like. It's just a social instinct you're trying to or or, or, or part of the socialization process like yeah. you are just trying to kind of like be friends with the person you're talking to. So the lie itself is kind of inconsequential because really what's at issue is whether or not you're going to be able to like be friends with this person or continue this conversation to continue to socialize with this person. And that was kind of like her somewhat devastating read (laughs) on this entire project yeah but then there was another there's a there's a kind of another side of that right which is that it's about the desire for esteem in the eyes of other people right that is i want to be the sort of person who knows everything has heard everything has seen everything knows all of your references and then some and some of this has to do with desire for esteem in, in the eyes of others and also i think the desire for esteem in our own eyes right yeah the, the, the ability to look at ourselves right self-esteem the ability to look at ourselves as as the kind of person who mm-hmm. who does know these things right um and i think the kind of the other object lesson in this was our episode with amy phillips yeah. right who is someone who i think has come as close to sort of like recognizing and fulfilling that desire because she told a story and you can go back it's episode two and listen to it, where she was kind of called out by a, a a mean friend, a mean frenemy in middle school over some reference she uh did not get or or some band she had misnamed or or whatever. And she vowed to herself that she would learn everything about music and never be caught out again, right? And she did. She kinda did, yeah, yeah. and dedicated herself to learning everything about about music and and it has indeed made it her life and is now the uh the managing editor of the esteemed pitchfork.com um (laughs) and so i think that's another that's another end of things right where it was this it was in some way esteem was the was was the motor right yeah i mean like where 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 do you fall well i mean
0: i I think that that, like the the two positions I'm, i'm gonna i'm probably gonna like not, not get out of this too cleanly, but like the two positions posit themselves. One is like the desire to be liked, the the, the kind of, um, it's a good, that's a good human emotion. It's a connection, right? It's like you want to connect with other people. You want to feel a sense of community. You want to feel a sense of belonging and you want other people to feel that sense from you.
1: So, well, you know. I, I just want to complicate that for a second, right? Because it, it there's kind of, it's Janice faced, right? There's the desire the desire to be liked can be poisonous as well. Sure. Right? Because it can lead us to do all kinds of and say all kinds of things that we should know better than to say or do. Yeah. So it, it, it is on the one hand a healthy social instinct in that we want to be people who are well integrated into the into the world around us, but then being well integrated isn't always the greatest thing. Uh, well, I think that that's. That, I, I
0: think that that's the thing is that the, for Tamar, it was it was more about it was more the positive than the negative. It was more like what is friendship? Friendship is you know coming together on something, and so whatever you know mode you choose to do that in is in the end you know not necessarily like the worst thing. But I do think that it's like. The way in which it can be bad is when it bleeds over from the other side. When it's like that need for esteem, that sort of compulsion for uh, acceptance or to be seen in a certain light, to be seen as having a kind of power, or to see yourself as having a kind of power, m- sort of spins spins it in spins it in the sort of negative way, where it's like I need to be liked. I don't I don't want to be liked by this person so that we can have a connection. I need to be liked by this person because it feels like I get something. You know, I think that like, I think these two poles are both active in my sort of historical experience of of faking it. Like it's, it's the shaking hands emoji. Like it's, it's both, right? It's like desire to be liked, desire for esteem. They can both meet when I lie about having, having heard this record (laughs) to this person. And it's, it's also, it's very circumstantial. It's, it's always like, it's, it isn't actually the same thing as friendship. You know, I do think that when I've identified these moments for myself, it's like, sometimes it turns into friendship, but usually it's more, it's more of a net negative. It's more of someone that I'm trying to impress or I'm trying to impress myself by being on their level because their level seems like something that I can't really connect with honestly um, or couldn't at some point. So yeah, so that's so where I come down, I mean where I come down and it also like comes to our next question, which is like at like does this is this something we're is this something we're dealing with
1: now well, in our wait, lives. I, I wanna pause I wanna pause on this for, for a yeah, second. Yeah, go ahead. Right, because the question about like esteem ties into this well, it ties into this idea that I, I've I've seen translated in, in a number of different ways. I think it's pronounced thumos. It could be thymos. It's usually spelled thymos, but I think pronounced thumos, which is this concept, this idea you find kind of first, you know, I guess first coming to prominence in in ancient Greece, right? And I've seen it translated as wrath, rage, desire for esteem, or I think in in some way you can think about it as like a kind of thwarted, in some sense, desire for esteem, as Mm. in rage and wrath emerge from a thwarted desire for esteem. And I'm kind of like getting this Reading from a great book, I think, a kind of especially now very enlightening book by a philosopher named Peter Sloterdijk called Rage in Time. And I think there's a very close and uncomfortable connection between this idea of uh, between these two poles, between the desire mm-hmm. to be liked and between the desire for esteem in the eyes of others, right? Yeah. And I think that kind of obviously the some of the negative psychic consequences that we've inflicted on ourselves at various moments emerge from this this very tension be- between like the healthy desire for friendship and fellowship and then a perhaps darker desire to conquer through acknowledgement right yeah. a kind of will to power-ish need to be acknowledged as someone who possesses mastery. And I don't wanna kind of like let that go because to me that's been one of the sort of central tensions in all of these conversations, right? Maybe this is just me, maybe this is just like kind of like the kind of person that I am, right? But it's always a kind of knife's edge between those two two things. That those two experiences, desires, whatever you wanna call them, have always been very proximate to me. And I think that for me, that has been one of the things that is, that is, or thinking through the relationship between those things has been kind of one of the constants in, especially in this last season, Yeah. talking to other people and sort of like hearing what their experiences are in this. And it's not as to me, it's not, it's not a clean binary. Right. Uh, but Between those two things.
0: Yeah. It's not always, it's not always friendly and it's not always like just like super dominant behavior, it's some mix of the of the two that leads to friendship or leads to some sort of you know binding someone to you through master through your mastery or your your pretended mastery.
1: I've talked about this, I think, before, but like you know my my kind of high school friendships, who are still for the most part people I'm still quite close with, often that's what characterized them. Like yeah. this need to be liked and also a desire to sort of demonstrate that you are the best, that you are the smartest, that you were the funniest, that you are the quickest, whatever. All that stuff was all mixed up for me. And I'm sure that a lot of this is, has come up, or a lot of my fascination with this topic has been because of that.
0: Yeah. All right. So maybe we're ready to, to sort of talk about did have we gotten this out of our system?
1: Like, I don't know what else to say about it at some point. You know, like, right. like we're going to keep talking about this?
0: I mean, I, w- I would say that my experience, you know, with people who totally get it and totally are like, I, I've done that, I get that, I might do it tomorrow, but, like, probably won't do it that much because I definitely did it for a certain period of time or did it and I learned something or did it and I evolved, is that, like, if it exists for people as, like, a real deep-down need to be liked or to or to dominate or whatever whichever whichever sort of like you know side of that continuum you're on it does fade away as you get older and i think that also it's something that our culture has moved in a way that you know without making a whole other podcast about how like how the culture industry has changed over the last you know 25 30 years but like I grew out of this. Like I I don't need to lie to people anymore about having listened to something or read something I feel very confident because I've read and listened to and seen lots of stuff, but also because like I don't really care anymore if they know something that's really cool that I want to know about, I want them to tell me about it. And if they're a jerk, then I'll figure that out too. But if they're not, it could be a nice experience that I can have with another person, with a real connection where it's like, I don't know about this, you know, I don't know about Cambodian psych music, but you have collected all the records. And I'll never know what you know, but why don't you tell me a little bit about
1: it? You know, like, um, Can I just say something? This is a sidebar, huh? almost unrelated, but your reference to Cambodian psych music. There is this guy that I knew in college who claimed to have the biggest collection of post-rock in the world. That was his claim. <laughs> He's just some just some guy. <laughs> or like... Just a guy. Just a guy. He's a nice guy. Uh-huh. But we uh, went to a party at his place once. I had known him for you know maybe a couple years, uh, but this was the first time I'd gone to his place, and I was expecting to see a fucking library of CDs and LPs. And, sure,
0: sure. Biggest collection of post rock.
1: Just... You know, and he was living. This was college. He was living in a you know a studio apartment. And he had, you know, maybe like, uh, I don't know, I'll say on the on the generous end, he had maybe like 300 records sort of on his record shelf. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, are all these post-rock? And he goes, oh, no, no, no. That, that's not all post-rock. And I was like, well, where's the biggest post-rock collection <laughs> in what, the world? What do you say. And he was like, oh, it's here. And it was on his hard drive. Oh. And I was like, Oh, so you mean you just have downloaded more post rock than anyone sure. else in the world and he's like, I mean, I must have cuz I have so much of it. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Okay.
0: Well, that is. Okay. I mean, that is certainly the way we're like, you know, I think totally for good, although whatever everyone uses it in whatever way they want to, but like you could get you can get all the post rock in the world if you want to. You just well, gotta like you can, put in right? the time. Yeah, it's easy, you know? Like I just
1: think it's funny to portray yourself as this like collector of these precious objects when I mean I if I really put my mind to it within a couple months I could probably be like I could probably also have the, right. the, the biggest collection of posts. But that's but
0: that's just it. Like I'm not I'm not a techno utopian, but I do think it's awesome that we all have access to everything, right? Mm-hmm. Or I mean not all not all, not all people have access to everything but a lot of people have a lot of more access to a lot more things and there isn't quite so much gatekeeping in the sense that you literally can't get this stuff unless you're in the secret club the kind of stuff that norman was talking about where like you had to be in the scene to be in the scene you couldn't yeah. just fly in buy all the records and be like now i now i'm, I'm also here what right. deal with me you know yeah. um now you can sort of do that but it's up to you, sort of like with with great power comes great responsibility. Like you have to make yourself anyway, despite access to, you know, great libraries of music and and, and literature and film and everything else that's all a lot more easily accessible to a lot more people. And really, like again, it's like it largely at least for me, and I think for a lot of people, it revolved around the record store. It was like this real like you had to pay something. More than money to get the thing that made you cool, and well,
1: yeah, there's a whole there's a whole gauntlet, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a whole gauntlet where you'd go in, and at this period, you of of your life and of mine, we didn't have much money. So, not that I not that I'm fucking rich now, but like, you know, if you were gonna go in and buy a couple records, a few records, you, you really had to want those things. And then there was this added gauntlet of being like, is the record store clerk gonna like laugh at me when I put them yeah. on yeah. the counter, you know, after I make this painful decision about where to spend my whatever 40 bucks this, this weekend.
0: But ultimately I think that like what, you know, what we, what we come to with age is that like, however you fashion yourself through these things, with these things or 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 with a lack of these things or whatever um, it's up to you whether they make you a better person or they make you a more interesting person or a more like humane person or whatever uh,
1: I can say that I think that I certainly don't feel the need to lie about something that I like you know if I haven't seen something or heard something I'll just fucking say I haven't seen yeah. it or heard it or whatever but I will also say that I have not Divested myself of whatever it was that made me do that in the first place, because now when I'm like, oh, I haven't seen that, or no, I don't know that, or whatever, my instinct is always to turn that into a kind of perverse point of pride, where I'm just like, nah, I don't know what that is, and uh, and I don't uh, I don't particularly care that I don't know; it's not a big deal to me, right? Like I like, in other words, the behavior has. The kind of formal properties of the behavior have, have ceased, but whatever underlying sickness made me engage in them in the first place is still there and just being sublimated in a slightly different way. So, yeah, I, you know, I think if, I, the, if, if the question is, have we gotten the, have I gotten this out of my system? Like, probably not. Right. Probably not.
0: It's yes and no. It's yes and no. For sure. For me, too. It's like, I still have. These pangs, it don't lie to people I think really pretty you know, at all anymore. I really have to like keep a diary to make sure. You know, like recently on, on a recent episode I was talking about new age music and and asking everyone I could find for their recommendations about new age music. And like I'm i st- I'm the same way. Like like I'm or rather, I'm still myself in that like I got all these recommendations, I listened to a bunch of stuff. I don't remember what a bunch of these things are. But now I have some music on my computer and I like love to listen to it and I want to like learn a bit more here and there. So I'm still a little bit of a dilettante, but um, at least I'm not going around claiming to be an expert in something that I'm not. And I'm like, I actually find that I like asking people what they like and then finding out from them about new stuff, Mm -hmm. you know? So have I gotten this out of my system? Like, yeah, yes and no. So yeah, I definitely think that we've gotten out of our system uh, interviewing people about this for an hour at a time.
1: <laughs> yes and no, right? I will especially now. I will definitely miss having those conversations in the in the basement. That's not to say that there won't be more to come in the future, but um, I I can't imagine myself doing another warm up kind of pre-interview with someone and being like okay so what's your primal scene for faking it you know (laughs) like (laughs) well i I think think i mean we've
0: talked about this but i think we either have to get we either have to double down and just like just start interviewing people who are like curators at independent cinemas and former record store clerks and steve albini and whoever else we can find who's like a real die in the wool like kind of like Either, either you like bought it as a first edition or you're like a poser or we would have to make it so broad that we'd be like just talking about fraud in general as a category for like any kind of human endeavor.
1: Which yeah. is not... there's th- There are so many journalists who do that. <laughs> yeah, so, I think people are so covering much, that really well. So much better than uh, than we probably could. Well, I I think that,
0: you know, so I think that, you know, what we're, what we're saying is we're going to, we're going to kind of call it a day for now about this, this subject. We're probably going to, uh, I think we both want to keep talking to each other and to other people about maybe maybe slightly different subjects, but I do think that we've covered this thing, uh, and sort of gotten to the heart of it in a number of different ways um, and for that, you know, I'm grateful that people have, people have given us their time and their experience um, in these like vastly different, you know, uh, kind of frames of reference that they come
1: from. So yeah, I mean, it's 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 no secret that this is not like a, a widely listened to, po- or maybe it is a secret. That this is a widely not that a widely would be a real good podcast secret yeah. because because not. Not many people are listening to it, but I am. I am grateful. I mean, I think maybe just the times and and the, and and everything that's going on kind of make me think about that now. Like, I am certainly grateful to to mm-hmm. have been able to to do it um, for, on whatever small scale we've been doing it on.
0: Well, and I think I think of nothing else. You know, in terms of like authenticity or or just being honest, that's something that's kind of maybe been the therapy doing this all along has been basically just getting them with, you know, at least for season two, getting people in a room and being like, so let's be real. Like, did you, did you really listen to all those records that you said you listened to? And everybody's like, not nah, yeah. really, you know, yeah. or like, yeah. you know, did you ever go to like a meeting with somebody who was like, do you know everything about this thing? And they're like, yeah, I definitely went to that meeting and told them something that was not true. And, uh, yeah, I think that's, um, that's been really fun. And, uh, and really sort of illuminating for me, so uh, I appreciate it. I hope that listeners uh, out there do too. Um, yeah.
1: yeah. And hey, look, if you're getting lonely, we got we got 14 other 14 and a half other episodes that you can uh, that you can uh, go back and, and listen to and uh, plug yourself back into. But um, for now, we're gonna regroup and think about things. And think about the future of this, uh, and if we want to continue to do it, or or what form it'll take. So yeah, I think, I think that's it for now. Gabe, oh my god, Gabe, <laughs> Gabe's sound has cut out. We can no longer. He can't hear me. This is a this is a fascinating twist in the history of faking it listener uh you can't see this but gabe is making panicked faces at me through the internet and so i think that i'm left uh, alone to uh thank you so much for listening to this episode and wh- whatever other episodes you've listened to and uh i'm gonna leave you with that this has been faking it and uh, we hope you guys are safe we hope you guys are healthy and uh hopefully we'll talk to you soon